When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Off Tackle Empire, Big Ten football is back at full strength. And they still suck. Today on Off Tackle Empire. Your source for Big Ten talk, it's Off Tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, your favorite Big Ten football podcast, unless you really just disagree with us that Minnesota is a perfectly cromulent Big Ten West team. I think they've mostly receded from our listenership and the hate perspective because it's like it's getting into hockey season around that part of the world. And this part of the world, honestly. Red well, are looking much better. Machine State looks like they might not be a doormat this year. Good times. Also, the Vikings are six and one, and hell yeah, nothing man. bad has ever befallen a befallen a Vikings team helmed by cork coupons. How dare you suggest it? They're going they're convincingly the best team in the NFC North. You can't argue with that. And well, that's fair enough. <laughs> low bar is low, but yeah, yeah I'm sure. Well, I, you know, I, hey, if you can't have one best team in the worst division, Minnesota fans, at least you could have the NFL div- version of that. NFC South begs to differ. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I will say, however, it's obvious that what the Vikings need to do at this point is give Kirk Cousins a $150 million extension, keep him, lock him up through about 2035. That, I think, will make all football fans in the state of Minnesota very happy. So we'll get right in to the week that will be here in the Big Ten as the calendar turns to November. We'll start with Big Nude Saturday, where for the second week in a row it is Ohio State, so apparently it's just going to be them or Michigan every week forever now. But I understand it. You want to get your big brands at these networks. I mean, this is really what they're paying for anyway, right? Is to broadcast these schools. So every week is a big matchup with Ohio State. This week is no different. High-octane competitive action as they go to Northwestern. Oh, my God. I thought it was illegal to show snuff films on broadcast television. You know, this is the biggest line I've seen in the post-Chris Ash era of the Big Ten. I'm going to pull up a schedule and take a look at them. That is what I forgot to do. In because the I believe I'm gonna, you know, Hold on. Was... First, first, I'm going to guess. Okay, it's loading right now, but I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess 37. That is almost exactly what I saw when it was last... 36 and a half is the first one that I saw. ESPN has a minus 38 for Ohio State. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that was... Uh, I believe we were 38-point dogs against them in 2017, that time that we sent uh, Chase Crouch out there for his last career start just oh to, to, in, order to, <laughs> in order to save you know, our option quarterback for Northwestern. We, we, we lost that game 42 to seven, but okay. <laughs> yep. Memories, Chase's last right? stand was a Fun uh, 38 point spread. Fond memories. So I think the only reason that spreads in conference games don't get this large is because 
there's probably still a conventional wisdom that once a team has secured that kind of margin, they will ease off the accelerator, put in the backups. You know, not, Mathematically not, speaking, how does Ohio State do it? I, you probably, they've got walk-ons, I'm sure. Um, like They're going to be able to get McCord a couple of series in the third quarter, I would expect. The fact game, that you, you think know. it's even possible for Ohio State to ease off the gas to a meaningful extent in this <clears> game <throat> suggests that you were correct in telling you that you did not see any of the Iowa-Northwestern game. Right, I didn't. Um, and okay, yeah. So I do not think that Ohio State is capable of fielding an offensive unit worse than Iowa starters. Again, walk-ons, but there's a point where you're not playing those guys meaningful snaps, no matter what the score is. Yes. If they end up, even if they end up keeping their second string in for a long stretch, still going to be way more talent on the field than Northwestern starters. Yes, that's correct. Uh, not so much. I mean, yes, talent, but also, like, Northwestern's defense is very confused. They are, and it, you don't need to be confused against Ohio State for them to beat the crap out of you. So, we're, you, do, you, do you sense us again kind of feeling in the dark for an angle to try to make this game interesting? Because I got nothing. It's basically just to... I'm a, do you think... Is there a margin in this game after which the situation at Northwestern and questions about Pat Fitzgerald. Like, is th- this is the game where we see people trying to sniff out Pat Fitzgerald's buyout, isn't it? Even though it's, I know it's not publicly disclosed, it's a private school, but that information's out there to be found if somebody was really curious. It's just that up until this point, it was so unthinkable they'd ever fire him that it didn't really matter because if someone was going to hire him away, they would pay the buyout, so who cares? But is this the game where you see, I mean, if they lose by 60 points or something like that, is this a game where people were like, man, don't we have to talk about Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern if we're going to dunk on Jimbo Fisher and Mel Tucker and all these other guys with these huge contracts? How much would it cost Northwestern to fire the guy? We don't know. Let's find out. We can find it. How, well, how who many exactly people... is we? Because the thing is, you assume that a lot of people care deeply about Northwestern, and this no. is kind of the thing that I've always really disliked about the Northwestern media folks is that whenever Northwestern is bad, it's just, oh, ha, 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 you're the, you're the crazy one. You're mad because uh, Northwestern's not really, ha, 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 you're concerned about Northwestern. Oh, we're just Northwestern. You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you, that kind yes, of thing? Yes, that whole um, deal. No, I don't think it's that. I think the reason that there would be interest in this particular, is not anything about Northwestern in particular, as that there is a section of college football media that likes to pay a lot of attention to the grotesqueness of the economics, if you will. And so it's, it's the, it's guys who spend a lot of time writing about the size of the TV deals, guys who spend a lot of time talking about NIL, a lot of time talking about coaching contracts and, and buyouts. buyouts and a lot of time. And a lot of guys that really like to use the phrase highest paid public employee in the state. As though that means anything, because they're not getting paid. They're they're not they're not going down to the Secretary of State's office to pick up their check every Friday. You know, it are they technically a public employee? Sure. Do you think anybody else has really got an opportunity for the job that they post on the state of Michigan's website? If you know, when Tom Izzo retires, like, am I, am I gonna be able to put in a few years volunteer coaching and go apply to be the coach of Michigan State? I, that might be fun as hell. I might do that, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Invincible style tryouts, but for a coaching position. Right. So, well, I mean, 
That's the only angle I can come up with here, because on the field there's nothing to talk about. It's as wide a gulf as you're going to see is in the Is there a number high enough or low enough to make you really fall off your chair laughing for this buyout? Um, what I, if it was nine figures? I yes, I that would shock me. <laughs> that would that would shock me. Yes, but it's not like Northwestern doesn't have the boosters to do it. They do have a few rich people associated with that university. You know, it would be it would be kind of funny, wouldn't it? If like in the other direction, it's like a four million dollar buyout or something. Yeah, because this is like I'm invincible. I never got to worry about that. I don't fucking care if you pay me enough money, leave the buyout or whatever. You're never gonna fire me. And then, and then he has a season like this, and they're like. Hey Pat, you're fired. Yeah, <laughs> we can we can come up with your buyout without even passing the hat with the boosters. We just we can fire you based off the gate. And just think about, it. he was almost the Packers coach not too long ago. How many times has he been rumored to be the Bears candidate too? Like, if, <laughs> well, like the last remember when he was cycles, rumored right? to be the to be if Michigan couldn't land Jim Harbaugh, it was gonna be Pat Fitzgerald. Do you I remember that? I don't remember. Oh, that. that was that was discussed for quite some time. They wow. wanted Pat Fitzgerald. Wow. Can you imagine? What would he do somewhere else, though? That's the whole thing that whenever anybody brings this up, nobody ever seems to ask them this question. I don't even, like, would he even be a recruiter? Who knows how good of a recruiter he would be? He's never had to play in the whole pool. I wonder what he would do because he is not 50 yet. Right, yeah, I get that, like... <laughs> like, a lot of people get their first head coaching job uh, older than he is now. Yeah. I mean, not anymore, but they used to. Well, yeah, he's... I mean, he's now getting more into the normal coach age after having been there for almost 20 years, but... <sighs> Boy, that is uh, that is a mental tunnel to throw a rock down, isn't it? That's a... What is that expression? Where did I come up with that? Uh, anyway... As you can see, we got nothing left to talk about with this game. You're you're really going to be better off looking to one of the many other noon offerings in the week to come. So <laughs> I'm just thinking about doing in memoriam for Kirk Ferentz or Pat Fitzgerald. What would I even do for you? <laughs> Ferentz has got to be Seeker, right? I don't know. And I think Fitzgerald has also. Probably got to be Seeker. It's a couple of Seeker dudes. Oh man! So we've done. We're doing these a little bit out of order because when I was outlining this, a lot of the game times hadn't been announced. So we'll jump ahead of our team's games and continue with other games in the noon slate. Oh, I didn't outline many of these. Um, hmm. So you mean you're not ready to get to the afternoon slate? No, apparently not. I thought I had stuff written up for all these. Maybe I didn't. Um, We'll go right in order, though. Also in the noon kickoff window, Minnesota and Nebraska for the $5 bits of Broken Chair Trophy. If Mickey Joseph wants to secure the endorsement of this podcast for full-time head coach of Nebraska football, he will extend official diplomatic recognition to the $5 bits of Broken Chair Trophy. Absolutely. This, this is a thing that, why wouldn't you do? I mean, are you so myopically focused on something that is very, very quickly slipping away from you that, you, you know, on, on one hand, I get the whole, like, like this cannot be I am invincible, you know, <laughs> as, as things are slipping away from you and you can't accept it. Because, of course, if you were capable of accepting that something was slipping away from you, you wouldn't be coach material now, would you? Right? There's that whole thing. But also, 
Man, if I'm in this situation, I'm realizing, man, this is not going to happen for me right now. Like, this is, it, it kind of feels like I've just, like, like they're going with a different direction. Have some goddamn fun with it, man. Like, you're going to be the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers for another few games. Have some fun with it, right? Yeah. I, it's, I have to assume it's really just because of the... Infu- the, the effusion of self-importance into every pore of everyone who's associated with that program, thinking they're better than a trophy come up with somebody on the internet who made fun of their old asshole coach for a while. So that's all I could come up with is they really just think they are too important to recognize a trophy like this. But, you know, give them a few minutes and they'll, they'll come up with some actual trophy that's recognized between the schools, like sponsored by Raytheon or some shit. It'll be positively grotesque and nobody will care about it. Well, that sounds a little bit like uh, this game to people in the Eastern time zone. Probably so. Um, again, depends on is, the, a lot depends on the status of Casey Thompson. It does, yeah. Minnesota is running at pretty close to full strength. I mean, obviously, Ottman Bell's not returning this year, but we've known that for a while. Because really, you could compare Minnesota to Illinois uh, if, you know, Tanner Morgan were really good at playing quarterback. That would be a major point of difference, now wouldn't it? So Minnesota can secure bowl eligibility in this game. Nebraska, with a loss, comes to the precipice of being eliminated from that same consideration. Well, again, I keep saying that as though there are no five-win teams that will go to bowls this year. There will actually probably be more of them than ever. It's a bit early yet to start projecting that. I think it's usually with like two or three weeks left that you'll see. No, no, are we hoarding all the wins? thought I might have heard another trick-or-treater, but it's almost 10 o'clock, so that doesn't feel right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you're looking for for lines in this game. Minnesota's favored by 15 points on the road, so it tells you what the books think of this in terms of a matchup. Minnesota's a better coach team from top to bottom. They're deeper. They're older. Uh, if Minnesota doesn't win this game, or even fa- fails to cover the spread, that's an interesting question, right? Because... A 15-point spread for a team that doesn't really do stuff like go for two very much if they don't have to. It could very well be like a 24-10 game that's perfectly comfortable that Minnesota's never in any real danger of losing. That kind of feels like how they want it to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that kind of thing is usually, like, stylistic preference is usually baked into a betting line like this, so... I don't know, man. I think, the, has... I think I think that 15 points really has a lot to do with the uncertainty of quarterback because there's a huge drop-off. There is, yeah. As, as much as Casey Thompson has been prone to some of the same turnover issues we've seen from other Nebraska quarterbacks, he is still way more experienced than anybody else on the roster and a better player, too. So He's, he's better at looking downfield in the face of pressure. I will give him that. Yeah, which there's likely to be because yes. Minnesota's defensive front versus Nebraska's line is a big mismatch, and Nebraska's run defense is right there with Northwestern for worst in the conference. So this is probably going to be a field day for Mo Ibrahim. The question really is, do they decide to give any of his backups a little bit of running, you know, a little bit of runs so that they can keep him somewhat rested? He did miss a game or two earlier this season, but. You probably want to, if you're still going to make a Charlie, like there's an outside shot that you can still get into the division picture here. And even if you don't, you want to be improving your bowl position. Unless your goal is to just go right back to the Outback Bowl or whatever they renamed it to. 
well, I mean, if their goal is to play Auburn in the postseason, then they're going to have to they have to make outside arrangements for they're that. They're going to have to do some kind of NIT arrangement as far as a bowl game goes if that's their goal. So, wait, are we saying <coughs> Outback Bowl? Scum and home. Scum and home. <laughs> ah, scum and home. Scum and home, don't you know? You betcha. Elsewhere in the noon slot, Iowa at Purdue. Uh, Just as Purdue always loses to Wisconsin. They always beat Iowa. So. Yep. And this is even going to be without David Bell, who I have to say, there can't be many people who have put up more numbers against Iowa in a career than he did. No, like David Bell's career against Iowa is a pretty decent season. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the, like the season you would get from like a number two receiver on a decent offense. That being so, said, in three if games. we're talking about receivers in this game, imagine anything more powerful than Charlie Jones having left out of frustration with his role <laughs> in the Iowa offense, now at full power. Oh my god, I had almost forgotten about that. And by the way, when you watch Jones play, he's not exactly the guy who is outrunning people, jumping over guys. He's the one who is finding holes in the defense and getting open. He's a very precise route runner. Has there He's been a, a problem a with Iowa's particular style of defense and Purdue receivers who can get open against his zone? Oh, wait. We just got done talking about that. Yep. <laughs> and this is the guy who Iowa couldn't figure out how to use in their offense. Although, actually, that's not totally true. The last few games last year, they did get him involved a little bit. But still, I would get... it's yeah, as, is, a, as a kick returner... Well, that was his role most of the time he was at Iowa. They started working him in with the scrimmage offense kind of the last few games. But still, doesn't it feel like Charlie Jones is going to end up being like... I mean, we've been talking about like who's the next Iowa skill player that's going to have an incredible NFL career after an irrelevant several years of college. We assumed it was going to be Sam Laporta because the tight end connection is too easy. It could very well be the next George Kittle is actually Charlie Jones. <laughs> The guy who just didn't get used at all in college by Iowa, but then ended up being an NFL star. I, we'll see. It'll be interesting. But that's certainly going to be kind of the main storyline if you're Purdue's watching this. defense remains a better-than-average Purdue defense. Mm -hmm. It is certainly not one of the better units in the Big Ten West, but that is a division with some fairly stout defenses. Uh, that They should certainly be enough to handle Iowa. Yeah, and that they've found a little bit of a ground game with Maccabee. You probably are not going to be getting big yardage on the ground against Iowa. It's still a very strong defensive. I run. imagine this game is going to look a lot like last year's game, actually, because you know previous games uh, see a lot of big offensive explosion from Purdue. Probably won't even need to do that. Just you know. Yeah, if you're looking for what is the angle where Iowa wins this game, it would be Aiden O'Connell having a bad game. He's had a couple three interception games this season. He certainly has that streak in him. Maybe a little bit too fearless at times, if you get what I mean. So that would be the road to an Iowa win here. It would be if Purdue is careless with the ball, turns it over repeatedly. The weather appears to be pretty, you know, temperature around 50. Doesn't look like it's going to rain, so that certainly works in Purdue's favor. They haven't had their weather game yet this year, but we know it's probably coming. But doesn't look like it's going to be on Saturday in West Lafayette. So Purdue there is favored by four and a half. Over under for Iowa, all the way over 40 points at a robust 43. Goodness gracious. That would mean something like a 24-20 would hit the over. And that feels doable in this game. Like that feels like... You really kinda... think 
that Purdue is going to throw two pick sixes? I I could see one defensive special teams turnover and one like short field thing off another turnover. Yeah, yeah. And Purdue can turn the ball over when when they're yeah. not. Oh, I mean, see yeah. Wisconsin. Right, exactly. So that is certainly within their capability. We have in the full slate an additional nude game between Maryland and Wisconsin. Ooh, I forgot this was happening. It is, and help me figure this out. Wisconsin at four and four, boasting a six and two Maryland team. Oh, they're five and a half point dogs. I read that wrong. Yes, I always get that backwards. But anyway, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, if uh, Davalo is back, that is, you know, Maryland offense that we have seen, you know, be very methodical and, you know, be kind of the opposite of what you, you know. What you've seen out of the likes of Wisconsin over the over the years, but um, this Wisconsin secondary is terrible. Let's make that yeah. Clear. That's that's the other thing is with this Wisconsin defense is nothing like units that we've seen in the past. They have individual pieces that would fit in with those past Wisconsin defenses. All I mean, the things that we said for such a long time that that they just they they keep plugging in these new guys and it's just the same as it ever was appears to have finally stopped happening this year. But really only in the secondary, I and maybe to an extent on the defensive line. Linebacker group is still perfectly good. Yeah, the linebackers are very good. Ndungameta and uh, Nick Herbig remain all-conference caliber players. But overall, it is not the same kind of stout Wisconsin defense that you expect. And yeah, if Tungo Bailoa is able to go, which I have to think he is, because he, was comfor- he looked comfortable on the sidelines in Maryland's last game, watching Billy Edwards orchestrate them to a win. I mean, that is the other thing, right, is even if they have to go with the backup, they've found enough of a run game. We'll see what they look like against Wisconsin. I, I, get I was that deeply unimpressed with uh, Billy Edwards against Northwestern and his Scott Frost-looking ass. First career start. you got to expect he's going to have considerable improvement if he ends up being the guy, gets another week of repetitions with the ones. I would expect some progression from him. I get that. But how many quarterbacks look, at, look good in their first career start? Well, certainly it helps if you don't look kind of like Scott Frost, but they're coming off a bye week. You can't hold the structure of his face against him. So. <laughs> Just because he happens to be very punchable. That's not his fault. Probably. I mean, maybe he maybe he holds his eyes like that on purpose. Who knows? But anyway. Uh, yeah, we've got some considerable offensive star power here. We'll see if Wisconsin's mini-renaissance with their passing game is sustainable against a defense that is also prone to mistakes but plenty talented. Maryland is so similar to Purdue, except they run the ball a little better. They run the ball a little more consistently. Um, and they're certainly deeper. I mean, outside of Maccabee, Purdue's running backs are deeply unimpressive. Maryland does roll three deep with some guys who will move linebackers that get in their way if, you don't, squ- if you don't square them up right. The comically named Littleton is one of the yes. better burly backs I've seen recently, basically like a Josh McCray. So, interesting game, really. I, I don't, This might be the one I end up watching in the noon slate. Iowa-Purdue is going to be hard to turn away from, I think. That Charlie Jones angle fascinates me as well. I also really hate Iowa. Yeah, the, well, I don't have quite the same animus, but... This is, uh, again, a four-pack of games in the conference schedule. I think you can probably rule out Ohio State Northwestern unless you support one of those teams. you got three others that, I mean, again, Minnesota's probably going to run it up pretty good on Nebraska, but a couple of contenders for decent games in Iowa, Purdue, and Maryland, Wisconsin. 
So now let's move to the afternoon slate. All right. Are you going to be in Champagne? Are you going to this one? No. um, I, well, at this point, my plan is to become the fattest asshole to ever complete a half marathon. (laughs) Uh, Of course, I haven't actually signed up for this yet. It's Monday. I'm going to give myself to the end of tomorrow for my ankles to... I went a little harder with the dogs in that timed 5K race than I really should have because I wanted them to get a good time because they're such good girls. <laughs> anyway, if my ankles are feeling good tomorrow, I'll do that because I just want something to anchor me to this area so I'm not tempted to run off yet again because I'm doing, I, I'm going to be doing the next two weeks. But, you know, you uh, don't have to just drink the whole weekend when you go to a game. I know I don't have to, but... This is a very celebratory occasion, is it not? Well, we don't know yet. It historically hasn't been, and that hasn't held you back. But anyway. Um, well, yes, but think about it. I'd be doing happy drinking. Yeah. I think so, this is. I, there's a very real chance Illinois pitches a shutout on this one. Um, probably the best defensive line Michigan State will have seen so far. I think susceptible to some broken plays. Uh, Look, Michigan State, of, Michigan State has the receivers to score quickly on you yeah. if you screw things up. That's true. See the beginning of the Nebraska game. Yeah. Uh, but on a down-to-down basis, this it's not an angle that people give much attention to. Again, for a long time, so much attention was on Michigan State's defense, rightfully so. But against Michigan, they looked respectable. Like The defense was not the reason that Michigan State lost that game. It was the offense. And in particular, it was because the offensive line could not do anything. We didn't get very deep into the numbers in the Paul Bunyan game, and I'm certainly not going back now. But now I certainly appreciate defensive coordinator Ryan Walters letting loose with an absolute barrage of insults. Of lies, of, ju- of well... Oh no, I appreciated it, because it was very clear what he was saying when he said, yeah, I think this is probably the best offensive line that, he, that, we've, that we've faced, talking about Michigan State. What he was saying was, yeah, fuck you, Minnesota. You're shit. We do what you're trying to do a thousand times better than you. Eat shit. I read it the other way, which is that he's he's basically, he is uh, Riker, you know, doing the, it, it's fiction. It's pure fiction. It, never, hap- it never happened. <laughs> Etc. Et, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it just. <laughs> I think this is going to be the best group of receivers that we play. Take that, Purdue. You, you, you suck. You suck, Purdue. You got no, you got Iowa guys. That's much closer <laughs> to true. It's a, That's at least debatable. But to say that Michigan State's offensive line is the best that you've seen in game number nine of the season is an absolute lie. Michigan State's offensive line is terrible. And like I said last, like I've said a couple times, they play a pretty short rotation. It's mostly upperclassmen. That's going to be the biggest determination on whether Mel Tucker's long-term success or not, is whether he replaces this offensive line. Because depending on who decides to use their COVID year, he may only have one guy coming back who has any experience. So, well, on the other hand, you know, I think about Illinois' offensive line. Of course, there's been some red zone struggles, which uh, felt like they did a little better at against Nebraska, although albeit with not a lot of opportunities. And uh, I keep watching the red zone struggles and thinking, wow, this offensive line is just not as good as last year. Of course they're not. Remember before the season, I said this offensive line is going to be terrible. They've yeah. lost several, like, five-year starters. Well, they've replaced several of those, and they're, they're, they're still reasonably good at running the ball. They don't have the interior push that they did last year, but yeah, I, I mean, thought this was going to be one of the worst units in the conference. 
Michigan State's script to win here is the same that it's been for most of the season in my perspective, which is... Grip it and rip it? Yeah, they have to find ways to get Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman the ball because most of the time, they're the two best players on the field when MSU is on offense. Eyes downfield. That's basically what, what you got to do. I mean, Coleman had a couple of catches against Michigan and was like, oh yeah, that's that he's going to play in the NFL for a long time. Um, there, again... Uh, you know, not to, to harp on it too much, but that's kind of how Casey Thompson was briefly beating Illinois for a second there was he did enough to evade the rush and kept his eyes downfield. Illinois hasn't been dealing with that outside of the brief one-time appearance of Connor Chadzilak. <laughs> he, he just turned into like... He just turned into this golden massive, god of quarterback. butt chin stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he, he just turned into to, to Josh Allen all of a sudden. Well, I would say there's there's enough data on Peyton Thorne now that I feel safe in saying there's not a whole lot of a chance of that happening. I mean, he's a decent player sometimes, but he, he feels like, you know how they talk about NFL quarterbacks, like, oh, he really needs a really good stat cast around him. Like, his makeup as a player is kind of like Matt Stafford. He's nowhere near the physical talent. I'm not saying that. But it just feels like he's a guy who does need good protection. This is a guy who, since it's Sunday Night Football is going on right now, and I know you're missing it and you do love that booth. Um, oh, it's Monday, though. Oh, is it? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, God, no, I tell you what. I already had to deal with Chris Collinsworth last night and talking about the Packers. My goodness. Yeah, Chris Collinsworth. I mean, the thing about Chris Collinsworth is he was so surprised that the Packers... You know, you usually expect the Packers in this situation to just hurry up to the line and throw it deep to Greg Jennings. Or Devontae Adams. Or Jordy Nelson. Well, why why do the Buffalo Bills not simply run the ball with O.J. Simpson and the Electric Company? I can't believe I literally forgot what day it is. It has been a long day, I guess. Um, But I don't know what, I mean, there's not a whole lot else to say. Michigan State's been terrible running the ball all year. The best thing to say in Chris Collinsworth's voice is the thing that he actually said about high school girls the one time in that interview. Stop, 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 stop. I'm not going to do it. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Big time McConaughey vibes. As far as Illinois' offense against Michigan State's defense, I think it could be closer to even than you would guess. Um, They did just come off holding Blake Horm to right around five yards a carry, prevented him from getting the home run ball. Brown is less of a home run hitter. He's more, honestly more like Mo Ibrahim in running style, a bit more elusive. But um, what that's going to mean then is if you want to avoid this game looking like the Minnesota game script, which was an absolute train wreck, Michigan State's got to lock down and get off the field in obvious passing situations on third and long. They have not done so yet in Mel Tucker's tenure. And the biggest difference between, uh, stylistically, between Michigan and, and Illinois as far as when you key on the running back is, you know, Michigan State's going to beat you, going to try to beat you through the air with J.J. McCarthy, whereas 
Tommy DeVito is an option quarterback that can absolutely that is absolutely willing to do running back shit with the ball. They haven't seen a whole lot of that. McCarthy had a couple of scrambles for chunk yardage, but on broken plays, not like design keepers. None of the other guys they've seen, I mean, Tanner Morgan, Michael Penix Jr., like Tungo Iloa, these are not running quarterbacks by design. That being said, they've done a terrible job even containing scramblers. So I would hope, with a quarterback who's running as a much bigger part of the game plan, that they're better prepared for that. But again, the next time they're ready for a quarterback who runs or able to get off the field on third and long will be the first. So there's no real reason to think that Michigan State's going to win this game. I do think a 17-point spread is perhaps overestimating the impact of the guys they're missing. But it is true that although Angelo Gross is not a great safety, they're very thin back there. So they're going to be home run plays to be had for Illinois if they feel like taking the shots. Well, I always feel like taking the shots. We know. In Champagne. <laughs> so, Penn State at Indiana. Huh. Um, there's that brief period of time where this was like, yeah, you never know. I could... Yeah, now you kind of do know. We've, in the past, occasionally been like, well, what if Penn State's unmotivated? Well, what if they are? I, they're, st- they're still talented enough. And, by the way, Cam Camper is now out for the season with a torn ACL. Oh, that's brutal. So no, an unmotivated like, Penn State will just be like, I don't even final score this touchdown. I don't even want it. Go up twenty four nothing. So I don't even. I don't even want this touchdown. You can just punt this ball in the stands. We mentioned this before, but Indiana, of course, coming. I believe coming off the bye last week, lost to Rutgers before that. So they've gone from three and zero to three and five, and their remaining schedule, after hosting Penn State, will be at Ohio State, at Michigan State versus Purdue. They you can, you got to just not fall apart. I mean, the bowl is out of the question now. You you, you got to just you know ensure that you have buy in from your players and and you know whatever you need to do with your staff. You need to make sure that everybody's got confidence in you to see that through. Yeah, because uh, it's not going to come in the form of wins. If we're being completely honest, this is a two touchdown Penn State betting line. As the favorites, if that wasn't clear. Um, that seems low. <coughs> it does. It does seem a bit low. I wonder if... So if I, how do I think about... How do we get to that kind of result? Well, well Penn, I, I, I guess maybe you're thinking about the time that in the 2020 season, Penn State packed it up and packed it in after losing the games that mattered. I guess, but doesn't you're so it seemed like they did that last year, but also Mustafer got hurt and that was a really big problem for them. They started out what six and zero, and I think they lost like I mean they, they 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 finished like losing five of their last six or something like that. Or five of the last seven, I think. I'm curious enough that I'm gonna take a look. I didn't So the last two seasons I guess and they can both be explained away. I really don't think there is anything to this idea that Penn State will fall apart as soon as they've lost the games that mattered. They ended up 7-5 and five last year. They did beat Maryland and Rutgers in the last month of the season, but lost their bowl game with a whole bunch of players sitting out. <clears throat> did lose, again, you know, after the 9-overtime game, lost to Ohio State, lost to Michigan, lost to Michigan State, and then lost to Arkansas. So it wasn't really like that last year. Their schedule was more backloaded, and they weren't as good without Mustafer. 
2020 was actually the opposite, though. You're misremembering that. That was the year where they started off 0 5 and then rallied to win their last four. Oh, no, 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 no. They started off 0 5, but point is, like, yeah, they at a, before they rallied to win their last four, you know, they lost their first two games. Those were important games. And then oh, yeah. it was like, then yeah. they lost to, like, Nebraska. I was like, what, yeah, what, what, lost, are you, what are you doing? Then they lost to Maryland, Nebraska, Iowa. Um, yeah, that happened. That did all happen. Yeah, so that's what I was talking about when I was talking about they, they, they lost the important games, and then everybody started opting out of the season. But 2020 was weird, man. It was weird, and when we say opted out, they didn't actually stop playing. Like, we thought that was going to happen. We talked about that a lot. Yeah. But it didn't... It really was just Micah Parsons. Yeah, and for not exactly a COVID reason. Although, did he sit up? I, who, who the fuck remembers? I don't care. Um, to get back to this game, if you're <laughs> looking for a way that this ends up competitive, it is true that against the better defensive fronts they've seen, Penn State has really scuffled to run the ball. And Sean Clifford can be a little inconsistent, although he's played mostly fine the last couple weeks. Um that's, it's a stretch. Because even if all that is true in Penn State struggles and they only score 17 or 20 or 21, how's Indiana move the ball on this defense? Without Cam Camper. <laughs> They've struggled to move the ball with a really good Juco transfer. Now he's gone. They have a couple of decent options. They still have Matthews. Um, they still have, oh my God, I can never remember the guy's name. Uh, Swinton. They still have... Swinton as another option downfield. You know, the, really, for me, there's only one angle in this game that I care about. You know what it is. How many pass attempts? <laughs> I want that record to fall. I love it when records fall. Yeah. All right. Do you have an update for us? Where are we in terms of numbers? I mean, they didn't well, play. Well, it's the exact, they didn't, it's yeah, the exact they didn't play last week. So, so, yeah. So, so recap it for the at, folks who so might So, basically, have... at the rate he's going now... Connor Bazalek would finish half an attempt short of tying the all-time record, which is for for passing attempts in a Big Ten season, which is jointly held by Drew Brees and Curtis Painter at five sixty-nine. That's so strange that they have the same note. So, what's he at now? Um, I do not recall. You know, I, you know what? We've gone this far. Finish the drill. Look it up. Yeah. Okay. So, and then we'll divide that by the remaining games and figure out what we need to be looking for. Wait. There's just no way. Oh, Mississippi State also had a bye, which means that Baslack is still second in the nation in passing attempts. Because, yeah, Will Rogers was on bye, and Austin Reed is a giant choke artist. <laughs> that doesn't matter. He's he, mad because of JMC. <laughs> I didn't even have him. It's just people had the opportunity to catch the leader and chose Austin Reed when he's already demonstrated that he is not, he can't carry Bailey Zappi's jock. So noted, anyway, noted Patriots stand Steve Braun standing up for his new hero Bailey Zappi. <laughs> he makes me barely happy. God, that was awful. Do the numbers, number man. <laughs> Three hundred seventy-nine attempts for Connor Baslack. Uh, that puts him. So he's um, one hundred ninety. One hundred ninety short with four games, four to, games play. to play, which of course means that forty-seven and a half per game. That Rough. gets him to a tie. We need so forty-eight a game. <laughs> yeah, forty-eight a game. He's he's got He's got to hit fifty here. <coughs> and uh, honestly, the only reason that he wouldn't hit fifty is, is if they if don't it sustain gets, enough drives. Yep, is I, if it gets out of hand too fast. And that feels very possible. And then yeah. Ohio State could easily be the same thing. Like 
what kind of game flow is there going to be against either Penn State or Ohio State where he even gets to 40 passes, let alone approaching 50? Like, it's tough to envision, but... Hope remains alive. We're not going to give up on this until it's out of the question because when they get to Purdue, he can throw 65 in that one. That's so, absolutely true. All right. Again. again let's let's f- get him go on in a blazelack of glory. <laughs> that sounds like... That, that's like a Star Wars character name is what that is. Blazelack. And Jarek Broussard is not? <laughs> Who? <laughs> he hasn't played in like a month. <laughs> just Every time I see that name, I'm like, Jarek. It's um, a George Lucas ass name. So, a continuing theme here: the night game in the Big Ten this week is Mich- Michigan. Michigan and Rutgers. Uh, boy, if this one doesn't feel like another seventy-eight to Bagel, I don't know what does. I understand Rutgers got off the mat a little bit here. Okay, it's gonna be a gentleman's blowout. I think. You think? The- you don't think they're gonna try to get Blake Corum to the Heisman ceremony? Isn't this the best opportunity on their schedule left to do that? Because he had decent, he had decent numbers against Michigan State last week, but only two total touchdowns. I really think all they've got to do is beat Ohio State to get in there. His stats are good enough that he'll yeah, get they'll, have, they'll have to give to somebody. It's not going to be McCarthy because his numbers are completely unimpressive. So it, no, it would no, have no, to no. be Corum. It really that that's what it's going to be. He's going to get the story. Like not that he's not very good. It's just that well, he's really good. they don't need. To pad the stats, they can get in on the numbers and the storyline. On the other hand, um, watch for Chase Brown against Northwestern. <laughs> Ooh boy, fifty carries. You thinking? You thinking fifty? <laughs> Ooh boy. Well, he's certainly. I think he has eligibility left, but he's certainly off to the draft. What do you think? I. I mean, I. I certainly hope so for his sake. Yeah. I find myself thinking that about basically any running back. So this is a Michigan State favored, or Michigan rather, favored by 26 and a half on the road. Can't imagine a way that Rutgers does much to move the ball. They were shut out by Minnesota. Michigan's defense is every bit as good, certainly more talented. So what is the road for a competitive game here? Same thing that it was last year. Michigan kind of looks ahead, plays a sleepy game. Rutgers has a little bit better run front than they think. Maybe a sloppy turnover or two gets into the second quarter. You know, Michigan has started fast this year for the most part, but they were slowed down a bit by Michigan State in the early going. Could also still be right. I mean, I find it hard to think that in the ne- any of the next three games, Michigan's going to be looking ahead. And if they would, it's probably not going to be this early, right? Looking ahead to Nebraska. Right, that's what I'm talking about for sure. Um <laughs> So, that'll be the week that will be in the Big Ten. To be honest, I would recommend postponing your chores until after the noon slate. I think the two best games of the week will probably be Maryland-Wisconsin and Iowa-Purdue. In terms of competitiveness, now if you're interested in the conference title contenders or you have rooting interest in our team, you're going to have to settle for what's likely to be a blowout, to be honest with you. Well, there is also plenty of interesting stuff happening Outside of our friendly confines. So we'll go around the country here. I only identified a few games that caught my attention, frankly. By the time you're hearing this, there will already have been Tuesday night action. So there's always that. Um, we're in a stretch now. This tweet was circulating a stretch something like 27 days in a row with football games. 
because of the way there are now all these mid-game, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Mac and Sunbelt games. So you can find something if you're really into it and you just don't want to deal with your family or do housework. It's, it's very important that I watch my Chanticleers here on Wednesday night. So I'm, I'm 11 years old, man. The uh, first two venues for Tuesday Night Action are Dick's Stadium and Peden Stadium. <laughs> so anyway... Um, yeah, there's Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Maction, and then, of course, there's, yeah, all that associated action on Thursday, UTEP against some food, UMass at UConn, UConn to the precipice of bowl eligibility with a win over one of the worst, the very worst teams in the country. We said that a lot. There are a lot of very worst teams in the country. UMass is really, I don't want to say they're on another level, but they, they, if you had... You know, like an eight-team playoff for the bottom. I think they could lose all the way through it. They're one of the real contenders. This is one of those years when I would actually be interested to see that. Yeah. Let's let's fill that out. Yeah, screw the... Oh, Tennessee, Georgia. Wank. Um, let's fill out our bottom of the bottom of the country bracket. So, UMass, I think Hawaii's got to be in there. Colorado and Colorado State. New Mexico State. Nevada. Whom Florida International, Marshall, you know, FIU's or got... not, not Marshall, um, Charlotte. Yeah, I think that gets that's my eight. You tell me if you disagree. That I think would be my field. For what did we call it when we did the bracket of worst Big Ten teams of the last however many years? I have no idea. The thing about FIU is they're four and four. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm gobsmacked. Statistically, they profile as one of the very worst teams in America. <laughs> They're four and four. Wasn't is losing to them what prompted Charlotte to fire their coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, <laughs> I might just sub them out. That you know, look, if you're gonna win games, you can't be in my playoff bracket of losers. Bill Connolly says UMass is the worst in the country, but yeah, I mean Akron is very bad. Hawaii, of course. Akron is one I didn't come up with. That's yeah. true. I, I mean Akron is. Akron is the anti-Toledo, where Toledo is on another level, so is Akron. <laughs> the other way. All right, so if we were to be serious for a moment, obviously Tennessee-Georgia is going to be the high-profile game of the week. That determines who has to play Alabama in the conference championship game to get to the playoff. And, and who, who gets to get the bye. And who gets to sit out and go anyway. Um, unless, of course, Alabama loses to an LSU team that downed Ole Miss pretty recently. And is coming together to a really unfortunate degree, considering what a miserable co- person they have as their coach. And then finally, Clemson gets their last real challenge of the season in Notre Dame, who are themselves off the mat after a 1-3 start, and do have the talent to throw a decent punch at Clemson. Uh, yes, I mean, Clemson has really gotten bailed out of some games this year. It's gonna be inter- It'll be interesting to see what they do at quarterback. I mean, they, they pulled Uyunglele and got a win out of... After he fumbled away. Out of the true freshman, Cade Klubnick, last week. He's presumably the freshman of the position, so we'll see if that's a permanent change midseason. The comparisons then to Deshaun Watson will start, which is very unfortunate for young Cade. Hopefully Mm. those are only between the lines where the comparison is valid. I don't really see anything else that is especially interesting here. Yeah. Uh, I am I am trying uh, diligently. We gave the people plenty. We gave them action. We didn't even really name the teams. <clears throat> we gave them 
our fictional bracket of loser teams, who I don't think any of them actually play this week. Because we can't, UConn's not in that bracket, by the way. They're not eligible for consideration. They might end up out of the top 100 from a statistical profile. No, they still won 23rd. Oh, all right. I don't know. I'm going to hand wave that away. You know, stats, the, are, stats are for losers, wins, losses, hey, that's all I'm at. I didn't <laughs> want to bring this up because I was very happy about UConn, but here are the teams that they beat. Okay, Fresno State, which is okay. Yeah. Central Connecticut State, which is... FCS. FCS. Yeah. Uh, FIU, which... <laughs> we I assumed, I thought was still one of the very worst. Yeah, okay. And Boston College, which... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be taking up the mantle, I mean... Of worst P5 team? Yeah, I mean, Colorado, I, I still Colorado's, think, is, is, I think is down there. I think the Buffaloes retain the belt. They certainly do, but boy, I mean, I thought Virginia was going to be a challenger. I think Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern's absolutely down there, too. going to be in that. There really isn't a... I mean, I guess you'd probably have to still say Colorado's the clear-cut one, but they won a conference game. This is the sort of, well, sort of Northwestern. <laughs> Boston College, on the other hand. Are they not. winless in the ADC? They yeah. are indeed. This is the sort of compelling content that I think keeps people tuning into the very end. So we've pontificated and stalled about as long as we can. Any other last-minute recommendations for watching this week? I was looking at who Boston College beat. No, wait a minute. No, they do have a conference win against Louisville. Um, and the other win that I'm seeing is against me. It's Maine, but it certainly looks like Boston College defeated me. I'm They're, sorry to hear that for you. That's you should consider firing your coach. I got Fetty whopped. <laughs> the genuine look of depression on his face as he said that. I can't. I'm so sad that our listeners ever see that. You just like looked off to one side, like I, I got Fetty whopped by Boston College. God damn. <laughs> Jeff Halfley has. You know, shambles. I'm, I'm Jeff down. Jeff Halfley has devolved into Jeff Quarterly at this point. My goodness. <laughs> you are. You are down. You were down bad, man. <laughs> Yeah, very <laughs> well, we thank you all for tuning in for what has been week 10 preview of Off Talkle Empire. We'll see you all next week. Week 10? This is strong 10. This is a big 10. This is a huge 10. This is a large 10. That weak shit out of here. Your source for big gun talk. It's Off Tackle Empire.